Thanks for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. Whether you're new to Highlands and are listening for the first time or you want to hear a past message again, welcome. Our heart at Highlands is to lead you into a growing relationship with Jesus so you can have a life full of purpose as you grow in your faith and lead others to Jesus. We hope you enjoy and are inspired by the latest message from one of our communicators. Hey, we're continuing the series on being transformed and uh, the idea of to change form. That's what transformed means. To change form from one thing to another thing, not just to look slightly different. Transformation isn't just brushing your hair the other way in the morning uh, or like tagging Jesus a little bit in, but to change form from one thing completely to another thing. And the New Testament in particular talks a lot about how we as believers and people following Jesus are to be transformed uh, more and more into the image of Christ. And, and that Christ-likeness, in fact, is the dominant goal of our Christian walk. As we get to grow closer to Jesus, there's a lot of other things that we benefit, a lot of other things that happen to us as well. But those are all byproducts and they're secondary to us uh, being more and more like Jesus. The grace of God, the gifts we get to, the blessing, the, the providence, the favour of God, the miracles, the power, all of these things uh, become more and part of our life, the more like Jesus that we become. And so that's why we are encouraged to, to be transformed and why we want to look at this. But as I talked about last week is that, that sometimes I think that we just wait for it to happen. You know, like Tinkerbell comes and sprinkles some magic fairy dust on us and then voila, I'm ready to go. I'm like Jesus. I walk into a moment that I didn't anticipate and have never prepared for and I just know what to do. Why? Well because hopefully Jesus did something radical, right? But there are a lot of practices that we can do that train us for transformation. Like we call them spiritual disciplines or, or, or just healthy habits or those types of things. Things like prayer and celebration and fasting and the Bible and uh, solitude and all these types of things that we talk about. These are all actually practices that enable us, the Holy Spirit works in and enables us to act like Jesus in the times that well, acting like Jesus is required. Like all things, you don't just walk into a moment and try really hard. No, but we've actually been transformed to be someone who could do these things. Uh, and, and so today we want to look at another practice anyway that I think is just indispensable to the process of transformation, our journey with God. But I want to start with something that I think is a dominant blocker uh, that prevents us and the transformation process that God wants to do in your life. One of the one of the things that is mentioned throughout the New Testament anyway that stops us from the goal of our Christian walk, and, and James refers to it as double-mindedness. It's this phrase, is that our double-mindedness is something that prevents us from growing uh, and, and being transformed. And double-mindedness literally means of two minds or of two souls, another one, of two wills, of two, two forms of response and values, two, two forms of thought and belief and, and, and things like that. And it, like double-mindedness is frustrating at the best of times, isn't it? Have you gone to a restaurant with a double-minded person before? Anyone? Like, and, and I love Cafe 63, but go there with a double-minded person, the menu is too big. If it's not double-minded, all of a sudden you realise that you can be a hundred-minded and still have dessert to go. Uh, and that's if you can pick a place to go with a double-minded person. Uh, my experience is a double-minded person is quicker to tell you what they don't feel like than what they do feel like. So what do you want for dinner? Well, not chicken. Well, narrows it down to everything else. 
It can be a frustrating trait, and I think that it's a frustrating trait within us when we are de- I see some nudges and <laughs> things already. It's a frustrating trait within ourselves, and, and, and not just on the small things of figuring what to watch and what to eat, but, but bigger things as well, and this is what the Bible talks about anyway, is this spiritually double-minded and with our faith, this tension to go, do I do things God's way or do I continue to do things that go against God? Uh, do, I, do I submit things to God or do I kind of lay a few things that I'm comfortable letting, letting go of? And if it works out, fantastic. Kind of like God is a lotto ticket, you know, like I've got to be in it to win it. I'll give him something. But all the things that I think are actually important and urgent, I'll probably keep the reins on those ones. And we have this wrestle of kind of how much we let go and how much we grab hold of. And this is what is known as, as double-minded, the things that I know or at least I'm familiar with versus well, what I think... And as Christians, we all know that if I give this over to God, I know that is the right choice. But I struggle with it because I'm more familiar with another way. Or I just like another way. I prefer it to go this way. It's like sometimes you read the Bible and then there's something like you just wish that you could take back ever reading that. You're like, oh, now that I know that. Oh, <laughs> what? Anyway, let's continue to go. But in James 1, this is where uh, James kind of holds no punches here, uh, verse 6 to 8, it says, But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person shouldn't expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unstable in all they do. See, James is not, he's not writing this to necessarily make friends. <laughs> But he's writing it to help equip the church, help prepare us, help enable us to move forward into the things of God. In fact, the word he uses there as well, unstable, it's also translated a number of other ways like indecisive or inconsistent. Is that sometimes when we are torn between the things of God and things that oppose God, it's just we're inconsistent. You know, sometimes you're doing really well. And then you just like a wave tossed in the sea, you get blown in another direction. You're like, oh, why am I doing this? And this is, it, it, this is the story of, I think, everyone who wants to grow in their faith is wrestling with this idea of this concept of being double-minded. And here James is calling out the believers who specifically here are asking God for wisdom, are asking him to help them out, are seeking him and believing in him, but then continue uh, to live their life without consideration for God's will. For God's ways, for God's plans. As I'm seeking God, I've got to give you wisdom, but then I'm going to go out and start my day and do whatever I know how to do anyway. Not necessarily trying to oppose God's will, but just going, Lord, if you could just somehow inject it to me or like matrix chip my brain or something that I just default do this, um, that'd be great because as I go today, I'm not considering you at all. And this is who James is talking to here. People who ask and believe and seek God and then wander off and, and, well, and just carry on as if they, they never really ask. They're tossed like a wave in the sea from faith over to doubt. As I said, not necessarily trying to oppose, but just being inconsistent, just being maybe indecisive in who they're going to be for the day. Uh, they toss from surrender over to control, toss from God's ways back straight to my ways. And this is more than just what he's addressing here isn't necessarily just, Lord, what decision do I make here in this scenario? It's not talking about, oh, like, I'm seeking God for wisdom for this decision, but more so of who are we going to become? Who are the type, what are the type of person that I'm going to be? 
What are the values that I'm going to live by or, or get, let's go bigger, the vision for my life? What is the vision that I have for my life? I, I want God's input, but as long as it doesn't take over the vision that I actually have, right? This is who James is talking to, those who are kind of like just dabbling in the things of God, but hopefully God just supercharges their vision. He's going, no, no, just don't be tossed from one to the other and trying to sprinkle a bit in on other things like... But, but considering God and seeking God going, what is your vision for my life? What are the values that I should be living for? If we, we want God's kingdom to come, that means his domain, this domain that we wanna live in, he is the king of. And so Lord, well, what is, it your, what is your ways that I should be following here? Not tagging some in, not being torn in these things. What are the dreams that I should really be believing for? Are they too small? That's what C.S. Lewis can, uh, talks about quite strongly of going, sometimes our, we think that our desires are too great for God, but in fact, they are too little. And so coming back to him and seeking him and, and trying to not have one camp in the other or, or like salt and pepper, sprinkle a bit of God on the meal to bring some Christian flavor to it, but really seek God and come back to having faith, consistency, decisiveness and of one single mind. So even later, James talks about, <clears throat> and he encourages the church in James 4, he says this, well, submit yourself then to God, is his answer. Submitting yourself to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. So wash your hands, all of us, we're sinners, and purify our hearts. Us who are double-minded. Then we've been called here to wash and purify. And this, sometimes purity has been taken a bit weird. There's a big anti-purity kind of world that we live in at the moment to even think that that word is old school. It's even Victorian in nature, right? But purity is to find something in its original state, in its designed state. We like a lot of things to be pure if we get the chance, don't we? Who would like some pure oxygen without toxic fumes? Yeah, purity's not awful, is it? <laughs> You know, pure, with our food, we would like non-toxic, non-chemicalized food, yeah? And you, I read a little while ago the uh, FDA standards for what is allowed in our food, like things like our coffee beans, how many insects per kilo are allowed in there? It is more than zero. <laughs> when I want my coffee, I want it insect-free. That is a purity I desire, but it is apparently a purity that I compromise every time. When we eat sausages, when we look to to any kind of fresh product, how much mold is allowed on mushrooms before they can't sell it? Again, it's more than zero. <laughs> There's all these types of things that we like the idea of purifying. If we can, I have a water purifier at home because I want to drink as pure water as I can. I don't want to put nasties into my body as much as I can. I'll, I'll do that with coffee apparently. But, but we like the, like purity is not a bad thing. And here God is saying, hey, it's purify your heart. Get it back to the clean, the, the condition that I created it to be in. That's actually the best one for it to be, is cleaned back to, to who I created you to be with the vision that is pure, with values that are pure, with desires that are pure, and with words and mind. And all of a sudden you start going, well, maybe purifying my heart isn't such a, a bad task. Maybe I should even make it a New Year's resolution 29 days in. <laughs> it's to keep washing and purify this, to, to get rid of the junk or the, the double-mindedness that is cluttering my heart and, and my mind and maybe move towards God and him alone. This is what James is encouraging us, is pick God and then drop anything else if you need to. Let's purify these things. He's encouraging us to make this commitment to trust God and him alone. 
not ourselves, not what we've found online, to trust God and Him alone. When it comes to any topic of going, well, Lord, I'm going to seek you and your will, your ways. Who am I to be in these situations? Not just what should I do, but who am I to become? And how do I become those things? And honestly, this requires us to accept Jesus as more than saviour, as more than our butler, as more than our tinkerbell on our shoulder. This it requires us to accept Jesus as our Lord. As I said, we, we, we pray that, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done, but his kingdom means that he is the king of our domain. And so it requires us to not just run to him as just a, a heavenly ambassador, but to go, Lord, I want you to rule my life, rule in this world that I live in to bring your ways and your will everywhere that I go. It's got to be king, not our insurance policy. King, not just a lotto ticket, just in case. So if we want to be saved from this double-mindedness, which I believe hinders our transformation to become more and more like Jesus, I, believe, I think Romans 12 is the place to start. I think we're all waiting for this one in this series. But Paul tells us this, that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And then, then, after we have renewed our minds, it's these people who will be able to test and approve of God's will, which is good, pleasing, and perfect by the renewing of our minds. See, the best way to escape conforming to the world is not to try to be unlike the world, but it's to try to be like Christ. It's to seek to be like Jesus. It's to move towards Christ's likeness. And this transformation is not about outward behavior modification, although as much as we'd like it to be, it is more about an internal start. This is what I talked about last week, how things, the Holy Spirit works in us to go through us to change our inside to reflect the fruit from out us. And this really begins with a change of our thinking. And, and today I want to start with this indispensable practice of transformation. I'll start, middle, end. With this practice of transformation it's, and the renewing of our mind. And I'm going to word it this way, that it is being immersed in the Word. Immersed in Scripture. It is an indispensable practice for those who want to be more like Jesus. Indispensable. We can't, we can't push it aside. I don't think that we can bypass it. You, you cannot outgive the need to be a person of the Word of God. You cannot outserve it. You cannot just go, well, maybe I'll, I'll just, I'll be an encourager. I'll sing my way out of needing to know God's Word. No, it's indispensable. Not just like all those other ones are as well, by the way. But we can't bypass this. And when I think about how we all learn to speak, there's a lot of babies around here. I've got a little, he's nearly two as well, Ollie. The way that he and all of us learn how to speak is by being spoken to. When Ollie was one or a bit under and he started babbling and saying mum and dad, it wasn't because he picked up a book and figured it out, was it? It wasn't that he did an online course on how to speak English. Uh, he spoke and all of us learn to speak by the degree that we're spoken to. And we all speak to the degree we're spoken to until we have that comprehension to eventually be able to like, decipher things and, and read it. But that's where we all get, we start pronouncing words weirdly, isn't it? Because English is strange and chameleon doesn't actually not pronounce like that. And lamb, <laughs> you don't say it. But if you learn to speak based on those methods, well, that's what happens. It's, it's we speak to the degree primarily that we have been spoken to. And if we want to grow more like Christ, if we want to be more like Jesus, we've got to make sure that the things that are being spoken to us, the words that we are picking up are more of the words of God than the words of the world. 
if I want to be more like Jesus, the advice that I get can't be from some teenage YouTuber. Maybe it could be, little parts and little bits there, but I want it to be coming. I want to be a person of the Word of God, to be formed and shaped by them. We allow ourselves to be formed and shaped by a lot of people with a lot of opinions and a lot of words, but if we want to be more like Jesus, if we want to grow in our faith and see what God wants to do in and through and around us, we have to be people who are formed by the Word of God more than anything else, letting it be spoken into us. See, Psalms 119, the the author of this one, says this, uh, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. It isn't I have got it just on my app. I own nine different translations of it. (laughs) There's nothing wrong with these things. But it's I've hidden your word in my heart. I've got it so deeply rooted within me that it is hidden there it's not just on surface it is it is deep within all that I am and when that has happened it's like well it is more unlikely that I am to sin against you see God's word in us is the thing that changes our lives so I think many of us if we look at this psalm many of us and I'd prefer it to be the other way around is that try my hardest not to sin and over time maybe I'll just pick up the word Behaviour modification is our natural kind of tendency to be drawn towards, isn't it? Because it would just be simpler. It, would be, it feels like it would be quicker. Tell me what to do and what not to do. And I'll just try my hardest to not do those things and I'll try my hardest to want to do those things. But the th- point of this is what God is wanting to do in us and through us, performance isn't God's goal in your life. Transformation is. This is changing form. This is not just changing behaviour. Jesus is not trying to just make sure we're all nice, behaving, Christian, kind of tea cosy, knitting people, but he wants to change us from one form into something completely different, into the children of God, into people who walk around that have something different about them, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit all seeping through everything we do. This is not just about, well, stand up straight, do this, do that, don't say that, do, and follow the list of rules. In fact, Jesus had some very confronting conversations with the religious people who wanted to impose that kind of view. And in fact, in the New Testament, we all see them as the villains. (laughs) Whereas I can't help but see them as me very quickly of going, you know what, 613 laws nearly sounds easier. But God's encouragement, and James is trying to get it, all, all through the Bible, he's just saying, hey, if we can get the word into us, all of a sudden it starts to transform not just our behavior, but it changes our desires and our will and our thought life. It starts to renew our mind, and then we can test. Then we're transformed into these things. Because performance isn't the goal, transformation is. So let's look at a metaphor in the Bible uh, for the word, about the Word of God working in us and, and the Apostle Paul uses it uh, as he describes how husbands are to love their wives and he talks about how Jesus wants, how he loves us and wants to love us as well in Ephesians 5. It's easy to read it. <clears throat> it says this, Just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her in order to make her holy, look at this, by cleansing her with the washing of water by the Word, so as to present the church, which is us, to himself, in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or anything of the kind. Yes, so that she may be holy. This is us again, that we may be holy and without blemish. 
So we, the church, we're the, we're the bride that he is talking about here, are to be this phrase that I remember hearing when I was young. Again, I'm gonna learn some Sunday school phrases again, right? That we are to be washed by the word. What a weird thing that we say in church, right? Washed by the word, but what does this mean? What does being washed by the word mean? It's a great, maybe it's poetic, it's beautifully worded, Paul, you're so fancy-pantsy, but I don't, like, what does that actually look like? And I want you to consider what happens when, when you don't wash something for a long time. Picture your bed sheets going without washing for a year. Now, some of you are like, yes, so? Like, <laughs> change your habit, please. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm vexed, like starting to twitch at the front, just the thought of it. If you don't wash them for a year, you know the consequences. Even after a few weeks and you put new ones on, you jump into bed and you're just going, oh, I should have done this earlier, yeah? Like how nice the new sheets feel because there's something oily and something gross and something like dog hair somehow everywhere. <laughs> or maybe not in your world. I don't want it there, it just happens to be there. This, it feels weird and wrong, but consider it in opposition to when you do wash the sheets and it feels right. It feels good. Back, back to how you bought it, how it was intended, is when it's washed. See, the washing process, when the soap and the water, they get in there and lift up the dirt and the grime and the oil down at the, the base level and they pull all of that stuff out to restore it back to what is supposed to be new. This is what washing sheets, this is what washing everything is like. This is what I suppose washing dishes should be when I do it, right? <laughs> Not just quick, lick it, dogs lick it, looks clean, put it back in the cupboard. Who wants to come for dinner? But, but it brings it back to that original state and in a similar way when we come to God and our minds and our hearts are like that, cluttered with false beliefs and misguided emotions and plans and and desires, different fears. It's the Word of God that washes and brings back truth. And truth sets us free. Truth brings us back. It's when we come to God and let His Word in us and continue to be immersed by it that it starts to lift up all of these things that are maybe misplaced and starts to remove it from our life. It's when we grab hold of the things that are true, when we grab hold of the power that is in the Word of God, that is in Him Himself. All of a sudden, we are being renewed again, made new again. This is exciting. I think this is, is great for us to understand because could you imagine having a mind cleansed from all the debris? Could you imagine having your mind so renewed from the stuff that kind of blocks our best intentions to follow Jesus? As it would look like us living a life that when we ran into someone, our first thought would be to, well, I'm gonna pray for them later. It's the times that we have temptation that we would not see it necessarily as temptation, but we would see it for the way God sees it. You know, when we're challenged or when we're feeling anxious and we're getting hit with fear or panic, our first reaction would be to run to God for strength again. Maybe when we saw someone who was sick, our first response here would to be as what Jesus has asked us to is lay hands on them and boldly and with expectation pray to see a miracle. Our first thoughts in a lot of areas, we would genuinely be wishing our enemies and people who frustrated us well. I get caught more often than I would like to admit with the, the uncomfortable nature of running into someone and my first desire is to do what, well in the Good Samaritan story, the first two people did and cross the road. 
And as I start to turn, I feel the Holy Spirit whisper go, how about you be the third guy? <laughs> and I go, I don't know what you're talking about. And oh, no, I do. But this is what it would be to have a mind that is washed by the word. Is all the, the things that block our, our renewing and things that block our, our godly intentions and our desires, all those things that are pushing us around like waves in the sea going, oh, do I do it that way or do I become this person? Do I actually care about that? I know that I should, but do I actually? And if, what if I read the Bible in a different language and upside down, can I find a loophole there and still be biblical? And, you know, we get pushed and thrown around. But if we were washed by the word, it, we would start to, or we would look more like Jesus in all situations, not because we tried hard to change our behavior, but because it would be a default response of ours. Our desires would have been changed. This is what Paul means in Colossians 3.16 when he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Is that the word is within us, it's, it's living, it's alive, it's not something that I've just memorized, it is something that has become a part of us. And as important as it is to read the Bible, to allow it to read you is more important. Because in the list of things that Paul says Scripture is really good for in Timothy, uh, one of them is not to pass the heaven entry exam, but to equip and enable us to do every good work. It is to equip and enable us for the Holy Spirit to move in and through us, being ready to be like Christ in any situation. I know as a parent, my kids would appreciate me to be more, like, more Christ-like at the moment. My patience level is not reflecting Jesus. A week into school and I'm getting a bit more back, right? <laughs> but the Word of God equips and enables us to, for every good work, every kind of good work, to be transformed. It is an indispensable practice of being immersed in Scripture, immersed in the Word of God. And personally and, and historically, I don't think I've ever seen a person who has experienced spiritual transformation who had not been deeply rooted in the Bible. See, Jesus says in John 8, talks to, he's talking here to his disciples and to a lot of uh, hanger-oners. He was getting pretty popular at this time. He started to turn a few of them off with things like this. He said, if you hold to my teaching, you, those that hold, are really my disciples. Hold on isn't again just like I, I remember, I've got a memory verse and I know the things to do and to not do. That's not a bad thing. That's actually a very helpful thing to know. But to hold on is, is, as we've been saying, is having it within us. Not just knowing it, but it moving through us. It says, then you will know the truth and it's the truth that will set us free. For those of us who hold on to the words of God, to hold on when He speaks to us, when He illuminates the Word of God to us, it's those of us who all of a sudden find freedom because we're finding the truth. We're finding who He really made us to be. We are allowing the Word to wash us, not just to wash over us, to soak in the presence. That's all fantastic. I love those things. But here He's talking about letting it wash through us and clean us and bring us back to a renewed or brand new state. Over time and time, and we find that we just become new. See, it's the truth of God's Word that brings freedom. It's not our opinions about it. It's not our best efforts about it. It's not the winds that toss us like waves, it is the truth of God's Word. And all of us get tossed. All of us have this double-mindedness, but 
Consistently, we see throughout the Word of God, it says, hey, here is a way to get back. Here is a path, a practice. Here is something in training for transformation that is indispensable, is to be people of the Word of God. Because it is the thing that has life-changing power. It is the thing that is more important than we'll ever know. And my hope for you, church, is that we become people who want to pursue the things of God who want to, to move more and more like Jesus, to, to let Him come into our life and do what only He can do through whatever means it might be. We go, well, I'm not a reader. Well, get it on audio. I don't like listening. It's not very interesting. Well, find someone to help you understand. Get a comment, get a, a Bible devotion, you version, something. We find a way because it, these are the practices, the things that the Holy Spirit uses to enable us in those times. My prayer is that we are constantly being renewed transformed. It's not a one-off thing. It's actually a continual tense word, maybe through the Bible, but through prayer as well and praise and celebration and solitude, whatever the practices. But this one in particular, letting the Holy Spirit work through it, that we are people who are being washed and being transformed. Because honestly, God's desire is for every single one of you to experience life the way He wanted you to experience it, life and life abundantly. His desire for you is to, to not be torn, not be double-minded, not be frustrated, not internally be struggling with that menu of going, what do I choose? Ah, oh, I've had that before and I'm familiar with that, but do I maybe choose this one that God recommends? I don't know. But to be someone who has been set free, set free from the double mind, set free from our past or our guilt, our shame, His desire is for us to live free to live in His presence. He, as much as we think it, God is he's not really looking to mould our behaviour, but to help us experience life that we were always created. And that is what we're being transformed into. And my prayer for you is that you would allow God to do that. My prayer is that maybe for the first time or maybe for the next time that you say yes to Him and say, God, well, would you move in my life again? Would you move through me and, and maybe pick up the grime and the dirt? And tomorrow, would we continue to wash me? And let's go deeper and move these things out again. Would you continue to help me when, it's on, when Tuesday comes and I, I've, just, I've forgotten about you and I've, the wind has pushed me like a wave over one direction. Lord, help me come back and, and renew my mind again as I get into your word. That we will experience all that he has for us. It's my prayer for you. So could we pray together now? Father, I thank you that your ways are higher and greater than ours. Your will is greater for us than, than ours is for ourselves. And Lord, we need you. Lord, the goal of what I've been talking about, we, we know isn't just to be able to tick a box and say, hey, I did it every day. It is not the end in itself, but Lord, you use it as the part of the journey, as the process of renewing us. Lord, I know that if we were to grab hold and have it within us more, your word, <clears throat> that you would use it more and more to, to, to change us from the inside out. Lord, our old desires would fade away and all of a sudden we'd find new ones that, that are moving us towards the things of you. We'd find our old lower vision for ourselves, which we thought was the ultimate, Lord, we'd find that we have actually a greater vision for our life. Lord, our values, our dreams, we would find that we weren't believing for too much, Lord, but the more and closer we got to you, we'd find that we were actually believing for too little. 
on that you would expand our capacity and expand our vision, expand our faith. And also help us move in this journey. Come into our lives as we say yes to you today. As every eye is closed and head is bowed, maybe you've never asked God into your life before. You've never said yes to Him to come in and and do what only He can do and, and help you become who you were created to be. I don't know why you've never made that. Maybe you've never heard. You've maybe heard of God, but you've never made this choice. And Maybe you feel your past is too bad or the behaviors you have or your thoughts or you're just wrestling with stuff. That's fine. We're all still wrestling. We're all still on our journey. But I want to give you the opportunity this morning to say, God, I want to go on this journey with you, not, not away from you. I want you in my life, not waiting for you to be cleaned up, but to help you in that process. So if that's you this morning, you want to make that decision saying, God, come into my life. Would you just raise your hand quickly? Just, just between you and God as an outward sign of that inward decision saying, God, I want to know you. Fantastic. Is there anyone else this morning? Awesome. Thank you so much. Just one more moment. People here are saying yes to Jesus. That's great. Awesome. Well, church, would you pray with the, uh, for these people along with me? And I just want to pray, pray. You can repeat after me or pray it in your own words. As long as your heart is engaged in, in what you're saying to God now or later, but how about we pray? They're not in this by themselves. Father, I thank you that you are revealing yourself to your kids. Lord, that they are now a son or a daughter of yours and that won't be taken away because it was freely given by their faith. Lord, help us. Lord, continue to to grow in this journey, to become more like You, to experience the life that You really have for us, to find that freedom from all of our past and all of our any double-mindedness that we have. Lord, to find our purpose that You created us for, that we could make a difference in this world. We thank You in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Highlands Message Podcast. We hope you feel encouraged to take these words with you to know God, find freedom, discover your purpose and to make a difference. If you feel moved by today's message and want to connect with us, we'd love to hear from you. You can reach us at highlands.au on Facebook or Instagram or head to the highlandschurch.org.au website for more resources and information. Be sure to follow the Highlands Message Podcast on your preferred platform to stay up to date with our latest message. We hope to see you in person soon.